Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. You see, what we find here and what I want to paint a picture for you is tonight I've put it in such a way that you can actually see there are three steps that the enemy has planned for you. But like we find here with Elijah, every day we're making decisions. You're making decisions about jobs. You're making decisions about relationships. You're making decisions about finances. And we're caught in these decisions. And we have the option of either living as we saw if we'd read the chapters before, Elijah living by faith. He was a hero of the faith. Or how is it that we're on such a knife edge that sometimes we respond by fear? So here he is at the point of decision and he's been full of faith. He's been caught. You know, the whole church has come around him. The whole of Christendom at that time has rallied and said, wow, you won this victory. He's full of confidence. But in a moment, a woman's words actually cause him. Fear is that way. The enemy, he is back on faith. Faith is in this direction. Fear is that way. The enemy is over this way. Jesus is over that way. And how is it that we as individuals can fall from such confidence, come out of church pumped, you know, be a brave life and go, I'm going to change the world. And then two days later, we're saying, where's God? How do we live in that place? Well, you see in 1 Peter chapter 5, it actually says, be self-aware, uh, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking, actively looking for someone to devour. But notice he's not the lion. We've got the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's of faith. He's not the lion. He, he, he looks like a lion. We need to resist him, stand firm and recognise that we already have the victory. But I want to take you the steps that I read from this story. The first step is that Elijah instantly hears the words and the Bible says that he turns and he says to his servant, stay here. Now his servant was an armour bearer. So his purpose was to walk with Elijah everywhere he went, protect him. He would actually trial food to make sure that he didn't get poisoned. He, he, he was there to actually look after this guy. He never left his side. But we see here that Elijah made a willful choice to say, stay here. He then doesn't just go anywhere for a walk or hanging out. The Bible says he then went to the desert. The desert literally means a place of isolation. The first step that we take when we turn towards fear is to isolate ourselves. We walk towards a place that's not familiar with us, but it feels comfortable because there's nobody there to hold us accountable. You see, you need to understand the lion is roaring at you right now and he's wanting to isolate you. You see, when it comes to church, isn't it amazing how something always comes up when you're trying to get to church? If something happens in your family, the car breaks down, something takes place in your workplace and there's always something. Why? Because he's out to scatter. And church, I want you to understand that the primary purpose is we are together because we're better together than we are apart. But therefore, the enemy's plan is going to be to isolate and to separate us. You know, we have things like dinner parties. You know, people go to dinner parties and they're promoted. And, 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 but it's funny how, I don't know what the statistics are, but worldwide the statistics are that the average church has a church that meets and gathers on Sunday, but as little as 30% of the people commit to a smaller group process. And the reason is because we're not too worried about being in a big crowd. But what happens when we get with a few people? Oh, there may be some accountability. There may be some exposure. But the enemy's plan is to keep us isolated. 
The enemy's plan is to separate us from each other. And we need to push into what God has. Things like brave life. Why wouldn't you go to brave life? Why wouldn't you get involved? I'm probably preaching to many of the converted here. But we need to recognise that brave life is there, not just to learn something, although it is there for that reason. It's to get us united, recognising that we're the army of the Lord, that we can win a city, that we can change something. What about when you walk through that process and then you're challenged to become a leader? Well, you know, I've been a leader before. I've been a leader in another church. I've even been a leader here. And, and uh, I just feel like I'm stepping into a new season. I should just step back for a while. I want to tell you, you've got to be so careful about becoming isolated, pulling yourself back from what God has. Now, I don't know what your favourite movie is. I wouldn't say this is my favourite movie, but this is like one of those perennial movies that everybody likes. Some people go to the movie with the expectation that it's going to be a kid's movie, but it's a winner all around, and that is the movie The Lion King. You know, we, we, we watch that movie, and, and of course you've got the characters like Simba. All the girls love Simba. I don't know what it is about Simba. And, uh, but, but then you've got then because he's cute and little, and even when he grows up, he's still cute and big. And, uh, but, but then you've got Mufasa. Mufasa is the, the king of the jungle. He's the, he's the lion. He's the guy that everybody admires. Then you've got Scar. His brother, who's you know, not happy about the fact that his brother is the king and, and he's always plotting to take him down with the hyenas. But on this particular scene that I want to highlight to you today, there's a time where Scar comes up with the hyenas of a way to actually kill Mufasa. And the way he does it is he gets Simba, who represents, and you've got to remember that these, many of these movies are actually pictorial representation of, of good versus evil. And in this case, he's got the pictorial representation of Simba, who is the next generation. So he takes the next generation, this little lion, and he puts him on a, a, a log and uh, right in the middle of this ravine. And he says, just wait here, Simba. And then he gets the hyenas to stir the wildebeest and they start running down the ravine and there's many of them coming and it's a huge stampede, great momentum and they're coming towards Simba. He runs back to Mufasa, 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 you must come, you must come, Simba's in danger. And because Mufasa is protective of his son and the next generation, he runs. But Scar brings him in the other way. So now he's coming and as he's running into the ravine, he looks ahead and he can see Simba and then just behind him he can see this herd coming towards him, running so fast. And I want to tell you that the picture is this. The next generation is there. The enemy's trying to take them out. There's a herd that's running towards them and that herd is unstoppable. But what he does is use the herd to actually try and take out the king. The lion, who's the king of the jungle, could take any one of those animals out singularly. But when they stand together, he can't take them out. And this is a picture of you, brave. If you can stand together, if you can run together in momentum, you know there's nothing that can actually stop you. There's nothing that holds you back from where God is directing you to go. But of course, the enemy is trying to take us out. Mufasa runs and he runs, he goes against the herd and you see him hitting the animals and, and, and they just keep running and keep running and in the end he falls and as he falls he catches Simba, Simba sitting on him and he dies right there with Simba sitting on his lap. And really it's a picture of if the enemy can isolate you out, if the enemy can, can get you separated, he can kill you and the ultimate objective of the enemy is to kill, steal and destroy but he starts with a step of isolation. 
Elijah's been isolated. Now he's alone. He's susceptible to what goes on in his mind. The enemy's whispering, screaming at him. I'm going to take you out. You know, roaring at him. He's alive. So he takes the next step. Remember, he's now getting further and further away from faith. He's in the danger zone. And he steps the next step and he says, I want to take my life. The second thing that happens to us when we actually step towards fear rather than faith is our speech begins to change. We start to speak negatively about things. We actually start to step into the place of our confession changes. I don't know what you are, but I'm the type of guy that my cup is half full. I always see the end, I always see the opportunity. I always see something in a scenario that's coming before me. But the truth is that we're either cup half full people or cup half empty by nature. Some people are just negative by nature. It's not their intention, they just are. But I'm not just talking about what's by your nature. I'm talking about being snared into a trap of the enemy. So now you've gone from step one of isolation to step two. Your confession has changed and you've stepped into a place where you actually start to process with your speech differently. Pastor David stands in front of you in a few weeks' time with vision. He says, I want to present you fresh vision to you as a church. This is what we're going to do. I don't know what he's going to say. But if he's standing in front of you and he says, you know, we're going to release another service. Woohoo! You go, woohoo, woohoo, woohoo. <laughs> you know, I'm on setup team at Kendall. I don't need another service. Thank you very much. You know, I'm already serving on one service and I attend another service. And if we have another service, I'm going to have to be in church all day which I observed that the guy from wherever he's from, (laughs) West Palm Beach, he's been here all day. He must have got up early this morning and he'll get home late tonight. God bless him for what he's doing. But I want to tell you, better be in the house of God together than out on your own. But anyway, another service and it's like, oh, another service. It's amazing how many people, not many actually, just a few complain about, oh, so the pastor thinks it's great that we're going to launch another service. It's amazing how the people that complain like that are the people that only go to church once every three weeks. (laughs) But the people who are regular actually understand what it is to be together, are pulled together, are living in faith. And so their speech says, great, another service. We're going to take this city. We're going to take back what the enemy has stolen. We understand who we are. We understand why we're here. And we step into all that God has for us. What about when it comes to the offering? Oh, let's talk about the offering for a moment. On this side of the decision, we've got the cup half empty people. And they're over here and they take a drink of the cup half empty. Well, here we go. Another offering. Offering, offering, offering. All the church ever talks about is money. It's funny because I went to the basketball last night and uh, it was going to be a pretty average game, okay? Cavs versus Heat. We all knew the Heat were going to win and in the first five minutes they pretty much did. But the place was packed out. It wouldn't normally be packed out on a game like that. Why was it packed out? Because they actually put the Wade celebration not over one night, but over three different games, different things every game. Is that just because they really wanted to celebrate Wade? Or is it they wanted to pack the stadium? Three useless, hopeless basketball game nights. And then at the game, they don't just 
have all the normal merchandise. It's the special weighed merchandise. And by the way, our ticket was twice the price of normal ticket price. Why? So we could see Wade get his jersey retired. It wasn't even about basketball. Not only that, they were selling jerseys with Wade on it. And those jerseys would normally be about 50 bucks. Last night, they were about $792. And people were buying them. What a trophy this is. But I didn't hear one person walk around the stadium going, oh, all they want is our money in here. All they're looking for is our money. Why are they chasing us for money all the time? No, no, no. I saw people that were very happy. But then we got the people full of faith over here. Oh, great, we're taking another offering. We've got an opportunity to stand up in faith. We've got an opportunity to bring resource into the house. Resource buys buildings. Resource facilitates people's lives changing. Suddenly we got some people of faith. What about over this side? I'm going to drink the cup of half empty. Oh, we've got a healing service tonight. Oh, healing. You know, I've had this hip re- re- replacement and, and it didn't work and now I can hardly walk and... And uh, we've had healing service. I've been to the altar call to get prayed for 71 times. And I'm still not healed. I think God heals people in India, but not in Miami. You know, there's, there's nothing here in this place. We come over to the place of faith. This person's hobbling up, but they're still full of faith. They're like, I've been to the altar call 71 times, but the 72nd time I believe God's going to heal me. Something's going to change. Something's going to take place. Oh, I believe it. I can feel it. I sense it. Are you going to walk towards faith and the cup half full? Or are you going to turn your back on faith and walk towards fear? Isolation, change of confession. Which cup are you going to drink from? But the third thing, and I want to point this to your attention right now, is so important. Is that if we're not careful, we live in the place of attachments that we can't in the natural remove come upon us. We live in a world right now where 31% of the Western world lives with some form of mental disorder or disease. Most of it because we live in our minds, because that's where the enemy wants to live us, because the only place that he can win. I tell you, even saying that out loud, I can sense the atmosphere. But we need to understand that we don't need to face in that direction. But if we isolate ourselves, when we start to allow our speech to change, our declaration to change, We're going to be in a place where, and Elijah fell asleep. This wasn't because he was tired. The commentators would say that he fell into a depression. And he had to have an angel wake him. I love the way the Bible talks here. It kept me entertained as I was reading this because the angel doesn't just show up and say, get up in Jesus' name. And we need to understand this. The angel wakes him with the smell of, of fresh, hot bread. Fresh, hot bread. If you're going to have a miracle, have a fresh, hot bread miracle, I want to tell you. He only gets water, so that's no compensation, but he gets fresh, hot cake of bread. I don't know whether it's a cake or bread. I like both, so let's have both. Carbs. Oh, I don't need any more, I can tell you. But what is it that he's saying? 
What is bread? Bread is what you eat when you need comfort. It's comfort food. The smell. Oh, yes, that lifts my spirits. But actually what's being said here is he didn't need to be told, come on, get yourself together. When we're at the place of attachment, we can't sometimes help ourselves. Sometimes we feel low. We feel oppressed. Sometimes we feel like, how do I pull myself out of it? I've tried. I've been forward. and Nothing's changed. And at that point, we need angelic visitation. There was a time when my father died just under two years ago. And I was going through some stuff. He was one of my closest friends and I felt like I'd lost him and I didn't think it had affected me. But I was struggling to wake up in the morning. Wake up, press the alarm. I'm not talking about, you know, you 15-year-olds that do it every day. I'm talking about me who's nearly 50 and I, I, I jet out of bed every morning, no problem at all. But I just couldn't get out of bed and I was feeling something was wrong and my energy levels were dying. And I was talking to my friend. We were just in a corridor and I said, you know, and he said, man, there's a depression trying to get on you. Come on, let's pray. And he laid hands on me. And right there in that corridor, he prayed. And something lifted off my life. And I walked into the place that God had purpose for me. But sometimes we need a spiritual intervention. But the only reason we need it is because we've allowed ourselves to turn our back on faith. I'm not trying to bring a sense of condemnation to anybody. If you're in that place, we're going to pray. We're going to believe something's going to lift off your life here in this place tonight. But some of us don't realise that we're walking the pathway, the step of isolation, the step of negative confession, and then suddenly we're in a place where the enemy's in control, which was never meant for your life. So let's remember the enemy is circling. The enemy is trying to take us out. I want, Brian, can you come with your, your two buddies? Whoever they are. Come and stand down here. It's the, it's the blue shirt brigade. It's like they've got to stand either side of you. Wow, Brian, they're making you look small too, man. They're, these are big boys. <laughs> Brian, you look so big in the last examples we used. <laughs> How are you going, sir? What's your name? Jesse. Jesse, just lift your hands. I didn't plan to do this, but God's just given me a word for you. There's something, there's something that's on your life. There's a countenance about you that people look at and they're drawn in. You know, in the secular society, uh, you'd make, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative sense at all, but you'd make a great salesperson because there's something that just draws you in. You've got a happy countenance. A, I, I want to be with this guy. He, he's a good guy. But God has placed on you uh, uh, not just a capacity but I believe a gift of encouragement. And he wants you to rise in the gift of encouragement. You've been busy doing stuff. You've been busy lifting and you've been busy uh, doing all you can, but he wants you to understand that he's given you a gift. And so step out of your way and encourage people. Don't just say good things about them, but encouragement, a gift of encouragement. Where they walk away, they feel lifted. And even as we go through this illustration tonight, you're a part of it. It's going to be like a prophetic statement of God's about to use you in a new and a fresh way. So God, I thank you for it. And I pray increase his capacity in the area of encouragement in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Okay, that's just a sidebar. I wasn't meaning to do that. But anyway, so, so here we are and we're, we're standing at this place. And, 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 and you can see here that these are these guys. Let's, for the sake of the argument, say that this is, uh, you know, this is Brian's dinner party. 
and here's a couple of guys from his dinner party and, and they're there and, and they've got together to get together because we're better together. So they're together and they understand that it's not just a dinner party because Pastor David came up with an idea and it's good for stats that we have more people together. No, no, it's to actually bond people together. But you see, the enemy is looking this way. Guess which way they're looking? They're looking to faith. But I'm here as an individual and I'm standing here and I'm like caught in the point of decision and now I've taken a step and it's like, oh, you know, I'm in this place of isolation and my, 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 my dinner party leader is calling me saying, you need to come this week, it's going to be unbelievable. I'll pick you up, I'll do whatever. I'm not answering the phone, not listening to the messages. I take another step and I'm like, oh, these guys just want me to come. They don't really care about me. Their negative confession changes. And the enemies in the background say, come this way, come this, I've got something for, come this way. And we're getting sucked away because of isolation, because of negative confession. Standing in front of me is these guys. But the truth is, if I walk towards the enemy, I can just break through because they're standing there. But the reality is, they can't stop me because they're walking parallel. It's interesting that many of us go to church and we all know each other. Oh yeah, I've seen that guy before. Oh, he's a nice guy. Oh, it's good to have him in the church. (laughs) You know what I mean? You came to church tonight. On the way, you had a stinking argument with your wife. And it was a ripper. They happened, just by the way, they happened coming to church every week. You know, it's just something about coming to church. And that's not a joke. There's a spiritual activity. There's something that's going to happen and the enemy will try and divide it. Or your kids go absolutely nuts in the back of the car and you're going nuts in the front of the car but you can't reach them. It's like, ah! You get in the church car park and you see that guy you saw last week and he comes up to your window and there's tension all through the car. You wind down the window. Hi, brother. Praise the Lord. How are you? What's happening? We're living parallel lives. We're not intertwined. We're not stuck together. But look what happens if these two guys, three guys, just link arms. Suddenly the enemy's over there. I'm going on my journey. I want to get to, oh, the enemy's calling me. I look back. Oh, God, I can't. Oh, what do I do? And and I, and I, and I can't. And the thing is that the enemy can't penetrate either. He's stuck, he's locked because suddenly we've gone from just living parallel lives to actually coming together. And it's a simple act of linking arms, but it's making the statement, when we're together, we're stronger. We're just like those wildebeests. Nothing can stop us if we walk towards what God has put before us. But while these guys are still here, look what it says in chapter nine. No, chapter 19. We just read the first part of it, 1 Kings 19, verse 15. The Lord said to him, so he wakes him up twice, feeds him, gives him water, gets him ready. But he doesn't go, and here's the miracle. He releases him from the attachment, but then he says, go back the way you came. He's over here in attachment. Supernatural intervention heals him. He starts walking and he walks through negative confession and he walks through, you know, this, this. Then he gets to, which is the um, isolation. Then he comes to a point of decision. He looks back, I'm not going there again. Then he gets to a place where it changes and, and he starts to walk the journey. Why does God make us go back where we came from? Why does he make us walk? Why doesn't he just take us from there and put us over there? Because you need to understand that you need to be prepared so that you don't just go back. Because if you go through the process, it prepares you so you don't take for granted where you are. Some of us want to actually get the blessing of God today. But if He gave it to you, rather than help you, it corrupts you. 
You need to understand sometimes you're not getting healed, not because God doesn't love you, but if he healed you, you'd take it for granted. You'd probably leave the church. Just like there was 10 lepers, only one came back to thank him. Nine just went on with their lives. We need to go through the process. So here I am. The attachment's gone. I've got Brian, my leader, ringing me, but I'm standing over here and, you know, I'm still a little bit negative. I'm still at this base here. And, and I turn to, you know, and I'm saying, oh, I don't, you know, yeah, I'm at, I'm at dinner party, but I don't really like this. And, and he's saying, come on, Neil, you, you can get beyond this. You can move beyond. And suddenly I find myself, because of them, not because of me, they push me to this place where I still feel isolated. I'm in the group, but nothing's changing. And then suddenly they brought me to the place of decision. And now I'm like, wow, guys, you've helped me. And I'm coming to dinner party again. Something's changed in my life. But they keep coming and they're coming towards me. And suddenly I find myself at the point of, I, I, I want to join. I, I want to be a part of this. I don't want to be isolated. So now I'm in the place of faith. I'm looking that way, not that way. They push me forward and we start walking and we walk into all that God has for us. We're talking about how we're going to change the kingdom together. We're living in faith and we're not in fear anymore. And we walk into the purpose and destiny that God has for every one of us. We step into all God has for us. I want to tell you that we are better together. We're purposed to be together. We're purposed to live a life where we don't just live a life where we look to God, but we live a life where we look to God and He's got what He's called His bride, the perfect instrument that He's put together called the church. And we walk towards all God has purpose for us. You need to understand that this isn't just a vehicle to get you to your destiny. This is a vehicle to keep you on track for all that God has purpose for you. Do you even know anybody here? Or are you just walking a parallel life? When they talk about dinner parties, you go, that's not for me. Or do you get a revelation? I don't want to step towards the enemy any closer. I'm lying in bed watching this animal planet David Attenborough is still talking. Now the, the lions are about to kill the wildebeest. I'm pulling the blankets up. It's getting ugly. There's blood coming out of the nose of the animal. I'm like, wow, this is scary. And suddenly the camera widens. You can just see the last wildebeest. It stopped that was running away. It turns around and it looks. The lions are in the distance. There's now five lions mauling this animal. It starts walking back. The camera goes a bit wider. Three or four other in the pack start turning. Before long, the whole pack has turned around and started walking back towards the lions. They've got a revelation. We're better together. We, we, we can do something about this. We can go and rescue what the enemy's tried to steal. And they're walking towards it. Suddenly, one animal breaks out, puts its horns down and starts running straight at one of the lions and lifts the lion off the ground in the air. The lion comes down and is standing like this. The other four are now at attention. They've got their paws and their mouths off this animal and they're looking at the pack. The pack come around and they get rid of the lions. You see the lions cower off into the distance. The next picture is a zoomed in shot. This animal lying on the floor, you think it's pretty much dead. 
As one of the wildebeest gets down and starts licking its nose and its face, there's blood all around, getting rid of the blood off its face. This is the picture of what a dinner party is like if you're focused and you're doing what God has purposed you to do. Then suddenly two more come and they stand right alongside. And in fact, one of them, I didn't tell this in the last service, one of them kneels right down on its knees, back legs up, knees, and you see it pushing against the other animal. The two on the side push. The one at the front is licking. There's now the whole herd has come around and it's like the camera is looking in and, and, and this animal's on the floor and they push so tightly that they actually lift the animal off the floor and they start to walk. As they're starting to walk, you see this animal. I didn't even think it was alive, but now you can see it barely is alive and it's walking and they're standing in close to make sure it keeps going. And the final shot that you see this animal walking and they go slightly further apart and it starts to walk by itself. Sure, you see the whole pack walk off into the distance. It's a picture of how some people might even feel right now. The enemy's come, taken out your throat, got his claws into your hindquarters, he's, he's holding you down. But I want to tell you when we stand together, Nothing can come against us. When we live according to God's purpose, nothing can hold us back. But before we deal with that person, we need to deal with the first step. Because many of you are in the valley of decision. Tomorrow, what job am I going to take? Tomorrow, what's going to happen with my finances? Tomorrow, I've got to go and see the doctor. And I'm not sure what's going to take place. Just like that lady. I've been told I've got a heart condition. Oh, but I want to tell you, the enemy's screaming at you all sorts of conditions. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I know that my God is a healer. My God is one that will come. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But you're on the point of decision and you can see faith here. But for some reason, fear is screaming at you. And you're thinking of turning. Some of you have turned and you're living in a place of isolation. Amazing that you even showed up tonight. But you did. It's not by chance. It's by purpose that you're here. He wants to get you facing back in the right direction. Some of you are here and you've got to the place where you've recognised just in small areas, some in big areas of your life, you've started to become negative. And as I said it, you were like, wow, I've changed. Something's shifted. Something's changed. God, help me. You can. You've got to recognise it's not his decision. It's not my decision. It's your decision. Faith, fear. Faith, fear. Choose faith. Choose faith. I'm walking towards my destiny. I'm walking towards my purpose. I'm walking into all God has for me. So I want you all to stand to your feet right now. Ooh, he's here. Waymaker. Come on, let's sing it. You know the words.
see, we sing a song like this, and this is why coming together is so important. Suddenly we're, this song is just a great faith song. It builds something in you. It's like, what's it saying? It's saying he's in control. He's got it. He's going to take care of it. He's a way waker where there is no way. He's going to make a way. Suddenly, at the point of decision, without even meaning to, you're facing to faith. Get a phone call. But you get in your car. Tomorrow morning you get a phone call. You're at work and there's some disappointment and we're turning back again. We need to remember. So tonight I don't want to focus on the enemy because he's defeated. But I want you to remember that he has a plan mapped out for your life as much as God does. How can Elijah go from being a winner to being bound up over there in such a short time? Hero of the faith. If it can happen to him, it can happen to me. It can happen to you. Let's keep facing faith. How do we make sure that we keep facing that way? Iron sharpens iron. We are better together. You're not in a dinner party. You need to get to a dinner party. You need to go out into the foyer and go, where's a dinner party? I want to get there. You're not in brave life yet. I don't even know if it's possible. If it's not this time around, register for next time, but be a part of it. Why? Because you don't want to face that direction. Sometimes it's just Brian and the leaders of the group that's pushing you forward and then suddenly you get your own steam and you're heading towards faith. But in this room, I want to give an opportunity right now because some people are beyond the point of decision and they've turned towards fear. Some, some areas you begin to isolate yourself. Some areas you begin to pull back. You don't have this mindset. Oh, well, there's people in the room. What are people going to think? Exactly. That's what holds us back. That's what isolates us. I just told you about my vulnerability. I can tell you about vulnerabilities relating to my kids as they got older. I can tell you about vulnerabilities in my marriage. I can tell you about vulnerabilities of being a leader in a church and how sometimes I don't feel appreciated. Other times I feel like nobody knows that I'm there. Same things you have. Why? Because it's the same enemy that keeps coming and screaming at you. He's roaring, trying to scatter you, trying to separate you. Some of you have allowed yourself to get isolated, even in the smallest area, some in bigger areas. Turn the path today. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.